Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. How many believe? How many believe he's not done yet? He's not done yet. I don't know if there could have been a better song chosen to precede the message the Lord has given me for this evening. There is such an expectancy in the house. There's such a... I was just standing down there and I'm thinking, this service is all about purpose. It's all about what God not only is going to do this evening, but what God is going to do as we move forward. Come on, one more time. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Can we open our voice? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For he alone is worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Praise team, thank you so much for one more time taking us into the presence of the Lord such a special and profound way. And if you would make your way back to your seats. I'm going to ask you to remain standing for the reading of the word if you're able to do that. If you need to set, please feel free to do so. Amen. If you're a guest here this evening, uh, maybe newly invited from one of our congregations and you've never quite been in a service like this, uh, welcome. And, uh, I would, as I always say when I preach for a local church, please don't judge this church by me. Uh, Wait till your pastor preaches. Amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. In verse number 20 and 21. Thank you, Pastor Nick and Apostolic Lighthouse for hosting our combined service this evening. And uh, we actually, it was my fault, not that it's bad, but we actually got it mixed up. Tonight was supposed to be in Canton, uh, but I I got it mixed up, so we kept it here. And as I said, we have our combined services set for next year, and... uh, we will be sending those out probably either late tonight or tomorrow to all the pastors. Let me make just one point of information. Uh, I don't know that you've asked this, but I know if I were in one of the other congregations, I would ask this. How come the combined services are always either at AOC or ALT. 
just doesn't seem right. Well, obviously, there's building issues involved, numbers to be able to host the size of the crowd, but that's not the really main issue. Canton, Maslin, is pretty much central to the network. If we drive it down to Dover, take it up to Parma, move it to Minerva, it's an extended travel for others. In other words, instead of being around 45 minutes to an hour or less, it's going to be an hour plus. And so that's why we either have it at AOC or here. Now, we got a building that's going to be completed here real soon. So we got to make an exception at least for that. Amen. Amen. And we went to Parma when Pastor Dan was installed. And that was a great time. But I just wanted to explain that to you, why we try to keep it in the central area so that it doesn't make an extreme distance for anybody. Does that make sense? Everybody agree? If you don't agree, I don't want to hear about it. Amen. Numbers 14, verse 20 through 21. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, by say all the earth, shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Matthew chapter 24. Verse number 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This gospel shall be preached in all the world. Let me say all the world. For a witness unto, if I say all nations, and then shall the end come. Preparing for our services, our service this evening, God directed me to a message that I actually preached in Germany at the Elisha conference several years ago. Whenever I feel directed to preach a message I've preached before, always go through my file to make sure that I didn't already preach it. So I scanned my combined service messages thoroughly. I promise you, I searched them thoroughly. I didn't see it. So I went ahead as I was feeling directed and completed my message. And as I was making sure I had filed it correctly, <laughs> I saw that I actually preached this six years ago to this service. Some of you may have been there and some of you haven't. However, I genuinely believe that God blinded my eyes because he knew if I saw I'd already preached it, I wouldn't do it. 
But I had already prepared and felt so confident in my preparation. There was no way I could not preach this message tonight. So regardless if you were in that service six years ago or not, I have no doubt this is what God wants me to preach this evening. The title of my message this evening is simply this. God, you, us. And I subtitled it, Partners on Purpose. Partners on Purpose. Will you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands high? Come on, let's pray. Pastor Tim Gropp, would you come? God, right now, we just ask that you would move in this place. Lord, we pray for every heart, every mind, every soul. Lord, we pray for an unction of your spirit that is already here to come down and touch this word and use Bishop as an oracle, God. As we set a precedence into this next year, God, that you're going to give direction, that we're going to step into greater purpose, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive, our minds to understand, our eyes to see, and our ears to hear what thus saith the Lord tonight. I bind every spirit that's not of you, but I loose your anointing in the name of Jesus we pray in Jesus name God bless you you may be seated thank you Lord thank you Lord there is no way to adequately measure the strength that comes from networking together like we are doing however it is my strong conviction We have yet to see the full strength and the effect that God desires for us both as individual local churches and as a collective network. Neither can we truly know what God spiritually imparts in each of us every time we gather. If I would ask for hands... I'm sure there would be a flood of them that would be raised if I asked how many of you felt like you had a special God moment at one of these services. I know this. I have a great expectation for what God will do yet this evening. One thing is for certain, however, the more we walk in humility and staying unified around God's purpose and God's mission, the greater we will see God's power released through us. I had one pastor text me this week. He's not in our network. He's going to be going to Vision Conference as one of the speakers in Ukraine. Here's what he said to me. A last day revival is breaking forth. And I want to be at the headwaters. How many feel that way? Pastor Nick spoke to me this evening before service said he was texting evangelist Mark Dross today or this weekend who has preached our combined services in the past. 
He said they had this weekend two services. 667 people received the Holy Ghost. Two services this weekend. You know what I say about that? Why not us? Why not right here? I'm not limiting God, are you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Without question, God is divinely positioning his church worldwide for the greatest in gathering of people in the church's history. And I believe the apostolic network is going to be right smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. In 1997, my wife and I were with former missionary George Sabolchi. We had been asked to preach or speak at a leadership conference in Budapest, Hungary, representing the national pastors and missionaries and leaders that were gathered there from 12 different Eastern European nations. I was asked and very honored to be the speaker for that gathering. Elder Vasili, you were there in that meeting. That's where we first met. And you invited us to come to Ukraine, come to Kiev, and to be with you. And the rest has been history. As we drove up the driveway, and I don't know if you'll remember me saying this, Brother Vasily, or not. You may or may not realize that was back before the flood, so a little while ago. But as I was driving, as we were driving up the driveway into the parking area of this retreat center where we were at, the Lord spoke to me numbers Chapter 14, verses 20 and 21. I read it. I want to read it again. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but truly as I live, all, everybody say all, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Some of you may have wondered where I got the idea of always referencing the word all. Well, this is where I got it 26 years ago. God wanted me to assure those national pastors, those missionaries, and those leaders that were represented there that weekend or that week. He wanted me to assure them that those verses that we just read have not yet been fulfilled. But their nation would not be excluded in that prophecy. Let me explain. God was so angry at Israel's conduct right after he had freed them from Egypt. They watched God give them miracle after miracle as he led them and protected them. Yet they were so quick to be influenced by a godless society 
and they found themselves right after they were set free building a golden calf and lewdly dancing and worshiping around this golden object. Continuing the practices that they had learned in Egypt and were delivered from. To say God was angry would be a small matter, would, would, would not say it justly. In fact, he was so angry, according to the scripture, he was going to wipe Israel out, completely change his plan, and start over with Moses. I know we don't like to think about that, but that's Bible. And it's amazing what would have happened had there not been a Moses. It's amazing what the Bible may read like had there not been a Moses. But Moses began to plead like every good pastor who loves his people even when they're messing up. And he began to plead with God, begging God not to destroy them. In fact, he made the statement, if you're going to destroy them, Destroy me. That verse of scripture is so powerful, so prophetic. Why? Because it gives us a glimpse into the heart of God and a glimpse into the last days. Hear me, this prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. There is coming a day, according to the scripture, that all, but say all, what does all exclude? Who does all exclude? What nation does all exclude? All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. How many believe that? And after God spoke those verses to me, as I was walking into that building, he then said to me, ask them, what nation is excluded in all the earth? So once again, I ask us, and I say this in the fear of God, what nation, what ethnicity, what people on planet earth does all exclude? We have to remember that. Will Ohio be excluded? Never. Will Ukraine be excluded? Never. Will the United States be excluded? Never. Will your city, your village be excluded? Never. Here's what I know. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world.
for a witness unto all ethnicities, and then shall the end come. According to Jesus, the greatest sign of the last days is the fact the gospel is literally going to be preached throughout the world. Will Korea be excluded? Never. 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 Let's look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, declared that the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That's pretty inclusive. Doesn't exclude anybody but unbelievers. Wherever this gospel is preached and believed in, absolutely anything is possible. No exceptions. I'm glad three of you agree. As we draw closer to the rapture of the church, there will be unprecedented harvest of people born into the church. And yes, I'm talking about right here in this small network of congregations. Please allow me to challenge us this evening. This is not the first century. I've said this before, but I don't know how many of you will remember it. It may shock you when I say it. If all we do as the 21st century church is duplicate the book of Acts, we will fail. We're not doing what God's called us to do. But Bishop, why, why would you make such a statement? You've got to understand our vision must be global. Simply because God has stopped my wife and I from traveling internationally doesn't mean you're stopped. Or that you should not go. I tell us tonight in the fear of God, if you feel connected or influenced by us at all, the calling is still from nation to nation to nation to nation. Come on. This network is not finished impacting the world. Do you understand there are more people filled with the Holy Ghost tonight on planet Earth than there was in the entire population of the first century? That's why I'm saying if we just simply duplicate what they did, 
never reach our world. Never. 21st century apostolic church must live, breathe, and act like we expect billions to be saved in these last days. I said it, billions, not just hundreds, not just thousands, not just millions. I celebrate when one person's filled with the Holy Ghost. I celebrate when one person's baptized in Jesus' name. I rejoice when the angels, when one person repents and asks God to forgive them of their sinful ways. I rejoice in that. Like the Apostle Paul said, I thank God that I've taught you both publicly, but also from house to house, from family to family. How many is thankful for every family you've ever had a chance to impact? But I'm telling you, collectively, it's going to be billions. Collectively, it's going to be billions. Collectively, it's going to be billions. And we are watching God right here, right within the network. God is adding to the church. And I'm thankful for every soul. But I want to tell you, it's just beginning. Pastors, let me say something to you. Never forget that your harvest will be limited by your expectancy and your vision. So if all you can see is the capacity of your small facility, you'll never gain more than that. But if somehow your vision can expand beyond the walls. Come on, Brother Grop. That building, thank God for it. But it's not enough. It'll do for now. But it's not enough. Come on, Pastor Nick. Lighthouse Tabernacle. This facility's not enough. It's a new era. It's a new day. Come on, Eric Foster. God's not done in Canton yet. He's not done in Canton yet. Dan, I thank God for what he's doing in Parma. But you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. I'm telling you, we're at a tipping point in this network. We're at a tipping point in these last days. Come on, lift your hands all over the house. Come on, Brad Carpenter. God's not done yet. God's not done in Rittman yet. Regardless if there's wars like the one in Ukraine or the battles that's going on in the Middle East, regardless of what the price of gas is, the price of food, how expensive plane tickets get, regardless of who's sitting in the White House. The church worldwide is witnessing right now an amazing increase in conversions, miracles, and the supernatural.
Why? Because the gospel's being preached. You're not the key. The gospel's the key. You're just a conduit. Let the gospel flows through. And that's what God's got to have all of us do. We've all got to be willing to allow that gospel to flow through us. God wants to talk through your mouth. God wants to heal through your hands. God wants to go through your feet. God wants to do what only he can do, but he's got to have somebody to work through. There's never been, and I realize this is my opinion, but I believe it's prophetic. There's never been a greater opportunity for the church, that's you, to step forward with great boldness, allowing the gift of faith to flow and a multiplied anointing and be who God has called us to be. See, there's no shortage of harvest. It's all around us. The harvest field, however, is not limited to those that gather in your buildings on Sunday or during your midweek service. The fields are your neighborhoods, your factories, the schools, the universities, the shopping malls. Those you connect with on social media. Oh, God, gag me. But I've had to come to the realization, if you're going to use it, at least use it for good. Those in your apartment buildings, those across the street, those on the public bus that you ride every day. You know, just before Calvary, I thought Pastor Dan was going to steal my message this morning. Just before Calvary, Jesus went through all the villages, healing every sick body, casting out every devil. But instead of posting his results on X or Instagram or Facebook, the Bible says he was broken with compassion because of how large the harvest was and how few the workers were. But wait, Brother Dan, here's where I stand to bring some correction. You only got a few here tonight, so actually got a good group here tonight. Thank you. Amen. I think we need to be honest. Is that really our problem today? Jesus was looking at a situation that was before the church was ever born. He realized that the majority of this of those people that he had healed more than likely would never be saved. Why? No, not just preachers or pastors. 
that there was a lack of people who would care for them and lead them. He said they were like sheep without shepherds. I would submit to you that the 21st century church does not have a shortage of workers. This is post-Pentecost. This is 2,000 years post-Pentecost. And I am saying that it's not a shortage of workers that we lack. What we lack is trained workers who have been adequately equipped and field ready. Why do you think our military trains continually? The Dan had no idea what I was going to preach tonight. He got up and began to address his congregation this morning. They just graduated 26 people from a seven-week leadership class. When we got voted in, there were seven people that voted us in. And over the course of one and a half years, we've seen such a growth take place to the need where we have to start training people. We had in service today, I think, roughly around 78 people. And we continue to have such a move of God in our services but it can only be sustained by those that are willing to be trained and go into the harvest. And I talked about the military training that takes place. Uh, and I was in from 2003 to 2007. And everything that we do focused and centered around training. Everything. They trained us to shave. Why? Not to look good. But when we were in combat, our gas mask would be sealed, and if we had facial hair, it would break the seal. Everything had a purpose in training. And on one occasion, I remember going to a debriefing that took place after, uh, after a battle, and one gentleman gave his account of what took place there. And on our flak jackets, we had magazine holders that would hold uh, anywhere from eight to ten magazines. And in this particular confrontation, this young man remembered, he, he says, I remember changing my magazine only one time. But he looked down after this event was done, and he realized that he changed every single magazine. And it was because when you are involved in a stressful situation, you will always revert back to the training that you received. And so everything in the military was focused around training, training, training. And this is why we had our seven-week course, uh, leadership course, uh, called Pillars Academy. 
And God continues to do great things in Parma, Ohio. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great. Thank you. No, no, no. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Dan. See, regardless of the size or the age of your local church, there must be a fresh commitment in 2024 to equip and to train at all levels of the church. You didn't hear me. I'm telling you in the fear of God. I'm speaking to the pastors, and I'm speaking to the congregation. I don't care how long you have been in the church, how many bars you have across your spiritual shoulders. I'm telling you in the fear of God that in 2024, the church has got to get back to training. We've got to get back fervently. It's not a lack of workers that we have. It's a lack of trained workers. It's a lack of trained workers. It's a lack of people who are field ready and precious saints of God. You've got to stand up, step up, and say, Pastor, I'm willing to be trained again. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Every member of the church, every member of the body of Christ, should fit one of two categories. Number one, you're an equipper. Do you understand that's the primary role of the fivefold ministry? That's the primary responsibility of the fivefold ministry to equip. But the second category are those who are being equipped. So you're either an equipper or you're positioning yourself to being equipped. How many of you feel like you've arrived? You think you know everything? I tell our students in Purpose Institute all the time, if you think when you've done your four years of PI, you think you've graduated and you think you're done, I want to tell you, your instructors failed you. At best, we've put something on the inside of you that says, I want to know more about that. I want to learn more about that. I want to be more effective in that area. There ought to be something in you that says, I'm going to be a lifelong learner. I'm going to position myself. Come on, pastor, train me. Come on, pastor, what else can I grow? Where else can I grow? I want to be who God's calling us to be. And I felt such a burden to speak to the network tonight about the importance of two things. You're either equipping or you're being equipped. Because just like as Pastor Dan just said, the militaries of this world, they understand the importance of training. Is Ralph Brooks here tonight? I, I don't see him. I remember a few years ago, we were having a minister's meeting at, at the church in Canton. I think it was one of our lock-ins. 
And I had asked Brother, Brother Ralph to speak to our, our team because he had spent multiple tours overseas, I believe both in Afghanistan and Iraq. And one night he and I were just talking and he began to share along the same lines, Brother Dan, as you did today. And he talked about the importance of training and how the military puts such an emphasis on training. And he told me a story and I said, Brother Ralph, you've got to tell that. And I don't know how many of you were there that afternoon when he got up and he said his, his commanding officer of their battalion brought everybody together, including the wives, the mothers, all the family members. And he said, he, said he, they, he stood in front of them and he said, I know you want to know why. Because right now we may not be in a war. But you're complaining because we have your husband, your brother, your sister continually out being trained. But he said, let me tell you why. He said, because I'm doing everything in my power to make sure your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother, to make sure they come home. And so the best thing we can do is to equip them, train them, make sure they're so field ready, they're so battle ready. Like the Marine that didn't even realize he had used all of his rounds I want to tell you the impact that our congregations can make is so significant, but it can't rest upon a few. I would be willing to say because one pastor I know I've already talked to, he's already talked to me, and I would venture to say that some of you may even come up to me tonight after this service and say, Bishop, thank you, because you confirmed what I've been feeling. I'm telling you, in 2024, we've got to get back to training. If you haven't been in PI, get in it. If you haven't taken discipleship training, get in it. If you haven't taken the different courses that are available, different things that are available, well, can't there be something we do besides train? You train, and God will open the doors. I want to say it again. There is no shortage of workers. There's a shortage of trained and equipped workers who are field ready. But here's the good news. It's all fixable. You ever hear coaches after a, after a meet or after a, some game, football, baseball, whatever, and maybe they lost and lost bad, but then they say, the good news is, it's all fixable. We can fix this. And I tell you, in the Fear of God Apostolic Network, we can fix this. 
Pastor Tim, this is prophetic. We plan for what we expect. We will also train and equip for what we expect and believe God desires to do through us. Let me just go sideways just a minute. I'm not going to chase a rabbit to the hole. I'm just going to chase him for about a hundred yards. I will never forget God's call on my life. There's a lot of things you may be able to convince me of. There's a lot of things you may be able to talk me out of is what I meant to say. But my calling was not one of them. But I had spent seven years of training six days a week, two to three hours every day. I became so addicted to training, I became fearful if I missed a single workout. Because there's one thing that athletes, if you ever competed at a national or international level, you will know training is not an option. You become absolutely consumed by training because you know when you miss it, you lose an edge. There's just something that just, you, you just lose an edge. It may be as simple as a handoff. It may be as simple What do they call that center when he hand snaps the ball? It may be a step in the wrong direction and you miss that pass. It may be breaking too early on a ball and you totally miss it. But so many of those things are fixable when people give themselves training. How about it, musicians? Do you lose your edge? I lose, I lost my edge because I don't practice anymore. And there's something about that daily just going through the scales, just working continually. And let me tell you something. You don't do it because mom and dad's forcing you to. You don't do it because pastor's forcing you to. I'm not asking any pastor to force anybody to position themselves to training. But could you please make it available? You see, nothing that happens anywhere in the world is a work of one local church. Neither does it happen by accident. God has always used the combined efforts of national pastors, local churches, missionaries, 
all working together to see his purpose and his mission come to pass. Much prayer, casting vision, investing in training at all levels must be a unified effort to fulfill the mission God has for us. We cannot say we are serious about harvest and not be committed to ongoing equipping and training. Pastor Foster, thank you for that simple video you sent out this afternoon. Appealing. Hey, listen. Yes, you may have already went through this class, but please understand, this is not just a class you're taking. This is a culture we're trying to shape. And don't you understand, it's that, it's that continual training that, that begins to develop a culture, begins to develop a mindset. And it's amazing what will happen when we will give ourselves to equipping and training. Continual doors of opportunity will open to those who continue to prepare themselves. I love the way John Maxwell said it many years ago. He said, success in the kingdom of God is where preparation and opportunity meet. It's an amazing thing when you give yourself to preparation, the opportunities that will become available. Maybe the law you're in, maybe the dull that you're in, maybe the feeling like you're on the shelf that you're in, and you're wondering when it's going to be your turn. Could it be that maybe, just maybe, if you would begin to give yourself to preparation again, doors may begin to open to you that you never anticipated. Hear me, please. Satan does not want us unified. He doesn't want us unified. I've never forgotten a saying I read when my wife and I were living in Holland. In fact, I remember, if I remember correctly, it's a slogan that their government uses. I know I've shared it in the past, multiple occasions, but I'm going to say it again. Here's what it says. Unity makes small things great. Unity makes small things great. Our ability to be the apostolic church, and more specifically an apostolic network, will be directly connected to our ability to our ability to be uni united around the vision and the mission that God has called us to. No disciple, no local church was ever called to be an island to yourself. We are called, however, to be spirit-led. Spirit-empowered, mission-focused, and field-ready at all times. Can I say that again? We are called to be spirit-empowered, 
mission-focused and field-ready at all times. At all times. Are you field-ready right now? Are you field-ready right now? Do you feel empowered? Do you believe you understand the mission? Again, it's fixable. It's fixable. In the fear of God, I'm appealing to all of us this evening. We've got to stay intentional about who we are and what we're called to do and what we're called to be regardless of how unpopular it is to others or what it may require. I'm challenging us to think bigger, plan bigger, ask bigger than you've ever asked before. What could we do in 2024 and beyond if we would continue to network our resources financially, people, talents, gifts, if we would network together more than just a combined service once a quarter. The will of God at any cost, you all hear me say it. It's not just the standard invented by F. Joe Ellis. It's the standard for all who call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. If you've answered the call to apostolic ministry, then God's will at any cost is what your expectations are. We must not allow Satan or the addiction to comfort and convenience to blur our focus and our spiritual vision because if we do, it won't stop there. I felt the Lord remind me of something he said to me several years ago. If Satan can steal our collective vision that has united us, he will also steal our future and the greater things, the unprecedented things he desires to do through us. As I preached this past Wednesday at AOC, I made this statement, and I think I said it this morning in Parma. No one walks backwards. You know why? God didn't put eyes in the back of your head. We will go where we are looking. And if you are seeing forward, if you have the spiritual guts to stand and say, God's called me to preach, then I got a question for you. What are you doing to prepare yourself? What are you doing to equip yourself? Nobody needs to teach you to pray. Nobody needs to kick you in your backside to pray, to study. Not again, not to embarrass Pastor Foster, but I remember when he came in as a young man, he'd bring his blanket and his little heater. He'd tuck away in that cold where his office is now, but it was freezing cold at the time. He'd stay nights, days. I'd come in early in the morning, he's there. Come in late in the evening, he's there. You know what he was doing? He understood there was a calling on his life. He had no, di- no idea that he would be pastoring the church this 
that, that he's pastors today. But as a young man, he just wanted to prepare himself. And whatever we asked him to do, he was willing. Pastor Sean, you know he worked with you. I'm asking you, you young men and women, you feel, well, Bishop, I'm in purpose. Great. I pray to God you're not just waiting for one class a week, a month. One weekend a month. I pray your pastor doesn't need to put a proverbial boot on your backside, constantly trying to push you forward. There ought to be something in your spiritual guts that said, God has called me. God has called me. God has called me. God working through the first century church wasn't automatic any more than God working through you or I will be automatic. The only assurance they had would require their complete trust and obedience to God and what he had promised would come to pass. Their future would require being spirit-led and making spirit-led decisions one decision at a time. They not only needed to trust the God that called them, but also to have the spiritual guts to do what God said do. I don't mean to talk about myself, but some of you may not know this story. You know why Purpose Institute exists today? Because when God called us, we were a young family with two small children and one in the womb. But I had spent seven years understanding the importance of training and development. I went to my pastor. I had determined I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to transplant my family to St. Paul, Minnesota. And I'm going to make myself available. I know I've got to have training. I did not anticipate my pastor would tell me, no, sorry, you can't go. It made me feel so sick in my stomach. But I was smart enough to know I'm not going against the man of God. I'm going to trust that even though I didn't understand it. But I made a commitment to God. I said, Lord, if you ever trust me, if you ever allow me the privilege of training and developing for your kingdom, I'm going to do everything in my power to make training available on location if they're not able to go be trained somewhere else. I'm going to make that training available. You know that a pearl is formed by an irritant of sand in the clam, in the oyster. You know that? That, that grain of sand is constantly causing that oyster to, to work. That shapes the pearl. That irritant in me that never felt qualified, never felt good enough, never felt qualified to do and be, caused me to find training somewhere. Purpose Institute didn't exist yet, but I got a hold of every book, every training th available that was out there. You know why? Because I knew if I'm going to be who God's calling me to be, I've got to make myself available to him, and I've got to equip myself. I can't just sit back and wait for pastor to do it for me. I've got to do it.
I can't wait for pastor to make me pray. I've got to pray. I can't wait for pastor to make me study. I've got to study. Can't wait for pastor to line up Bible studies. I got to do that. I didn't wait for my turn to preach. I found a jail. I found a, a nursing home. I'd take my little guitar and we'd go from room to room and we'd sing and talk to the Lord, talk about the Lord to those precious people. I'd go to every jail, every prison that would allow me in. I didn't wait for my turn to preach to the saints. I cut my teeth preaching to people who were blowing smoke in my face. Foul language. You name it. Listen, this is not about Ellis tonight. But I've got a burr inside of me. And I feel so impassioned to reach to some precious men and women in this room. Young men, young women, elderly, doesn't matter who you are. One more time. Just one more time, make yourself available. Let pastor know, what can I do? What training would you think would be good for me to get me to the next level, to be who you'd call me to be? See, just as God used the first century disciples and the apostles to play very important roles in God's eternal plan, There are people in this room tonight God desires to use in the same way. What I'm saying tonight is not spiritual hype. Neither is it complicated. If you have spiritual ears to hear what God is saying, the harvest is everywhere. The harvest is everywhere. However, the greatest challenge some of you are facing is not your unbelief in God. It's your unbelief in yourself. The most challenging thing I've ever had to deal with was not could God use people, but why would he want to use me? Why? That was the thing that I dealt with and battled more than anything else. The feeling of incompetence. The feeling of not quite good enough. Some of you that are privileged to have Purpose Institute degrees or, or uh, diplomas, I don't have that privilege, even though I originally wrote 98% of the curriculum. I don't have that privilege. I've got a little diploma from IBC that I did from an external program when they were still in Seymour, Indiana. I grabbed everything that the United Pentecostal Church had available. And I would listen to tapes by the hours. Every time my pastor preached or taught a message, I not only wrote my notes, but I'd get that cassette tape. Some of you don't know what a cassette tape is. I'd get that cassette tape. I'd plug that thing in. What's so nice about that and, and even recordings that we have today It's got this pause button on it. 
I heard it said one time that if you, if you don't hear a message at least five times, you haven't really heard it. So I'd take that, those messages and I'd play them. I'd write. I hit pause. I'd go back and replay it if I missed something. I'd go on down. I'd keep going. I kept studying. I kept moving. Notebook after notebook after notebook after notebook after notebook. I wasn't anything. I had no title. I had one thing that I knew God called me. I'd carry my, my books, carried my lunch in a paper sack, and I'd carry my, my Bible and my notes and my study books in my lunch pail when I'd go to Ford, Com- Ford Motor Company. Had a great job. I, at that time, we were able to, you had a certain limit you had to do within an eight-hour period. But I was blessed to have some jobs I could get done in three and four hours. So I had a four-hour window. I'd go back to the lunchroom, and I'd just study to study, preparing myself. Carry my Bible when we'd go to holidays. Find myself, I'm just engulfed in this thing. There was this irritant that kept working, kept working, kept working. Today, Purpose Institute is simply available to you because there was an irritant. And it's to make training available to you who maybe you can't, Relocate, but it's right here locally. Thank God it's available. And I, and I have to admit, excuse me, sound like a PI commercial, but I have to admit, I scratch my head why some of you are not taking advantage of it. I'm telling you, if it would have been available in my day, when I knew I had that call beating in my chest, you couldn't have kept me away. You're quiet, and I understand. I got it. This is not going to go down as one of the most popular messages I've ever preached. You lift your hands and love the Lord with me right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, the message tonight is this it takes God, it takes you. It takes us. Collectively. We must be partners intentionally and on purpose. Partners intentionally and on purpose. And I close this evening reminding us of five things that are required for every God-called vision and mission to come to pass. Number one, we've got to position ourselves to hear the voice of God. Number two, we've got to trust the voice of God. Number three, 
We've got to have the spiritual guts to obey the voice of God. Number four, we've got to be willing to partner with others. He didn't build a body as islands to itself. And then number five, if God has really spoken to you, if God has really called you, if God is really leading you, it will always require the miraculous to bring it to pass. You'll never be able to look and say, I can see how I could do that. I, I, I could see myself doing that. I, I, I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're that confident, it's probably not God at all. It's a whole lot of ego. But if there's something on the inside of you that says, God, not me. Sorry, I think you've, I think you've called the wrong person. Don't see how that can happen. Never understand how we could ever do that. Not possible. No, not possible. I can just about assure you you've heard from God. Because no flesh is ever going to glory in his presence. Why don't you stand with me right now? Brother Vasa, just, just Brother Vasa. I don't need anybody else right now. Just Brother Vasa, would you come? Could it be that God is using this service this evening to remind us of what he's called us both to be and to do? And I tell us tonight in the fear of God, that's exactly what this last combined service for 2023 is designed to do. There is a sense of calling in this service this evening. You know what I almost believe it is? You know, God placed gifts in us. You young people, you, you have no idea when an elder, when a pastor comes up and begins to pray over you. You don't know what's going on. You just feel that sense of, wow, you know, you know. I always knew when pastor was praying for me, it was different. You have no idea in those moments what God is imparting into you. The Apostle Paul had to remind his son in the gospel, Timothy. You need to stir up that gift that's in you. Here's what he said. That was, to give, that was given to you through the laying on of my hands. You just stir that thing up. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Come on. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to remember those moments. Let God take you back to a moment 
when a man of God came up and laid his hand on you and you knew without question there was a divine calling connected to that prayer. Remember what you said to the Lord? Remember what you told him? Anything, Lord. Anything. Whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do. Anything, Lord. And I feel like tonight, and I have no doubt that as we come together at this altar, there are going to be gifts imparted. There may be callings imparted that have that won't require a word being spoken. But you'll know. You'll know. But beyond that, here's what I feel like God is wanting to do tonight. To reach into some of you and pull those gifts out that you've buried. Pull that calling out that you've replaced with other things. To bring back a remembrance of what God has asked you to be or to do. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, please. Could it be that God is using this service this evening? call us back I tell us in the fear of God that's exactly what this last service for the 2023 is designed to do there is a sense of calling in this sanctuary this evening call to get back to your prayer closet consistently and fervently Call to pull the home Bible study chart back out of the closet and start teaching and making disciples again. Call to start a home group. Call to plant a daughter campus in a neighboring city or a suburb. Call to relocate to another area or neighborhood. Call to a city that God's been dealing with you about where there's no apostolic witness of any kind. Call to go back to the nation you came from because there's no apostolic church or witness there. I'm telling somebody here tonight in the fear of God, you haven't missed God. You just need to answer the call. God is calling people in this sanctuary to step up in your local church with a fresh willingness to be trained to be equipped and to become field ready. God is calling you to lock arms with your pastor in a way you never have before. Is it possible for you to make such an impact in your world of influence? It would completely change the spiritual destiny of hundreds, maybe even thousands. Is it possible 
God is calling you to impact the spiritual landscape of your entire village or city, a nation, a region of nations. I'm not trying to hype us up in emotion. The issue is not can God. The issue has always been will you, will we. I wonder, as your head's about and your eyes are closed, God is dealing with you. Is there an Isaiah in this sanctuary that would say, Hear my Lord, send me. See, the mission hasn't changed. The mission of the network hasn't changed. God is going to use somebody in these last days to make history and be directly involved in the unprecedented. Could that somebody be you? I know already that there are people right now, you are doing your absolute best to ignore what's being said. Because you know God's got your number tonight. You've become addicted to your convenience. As I preached this morning, as I preached Wednesday night, you've become comfortable with that in-between place. Not where you were, but not where God's calling you to be. I want to tell you, God's going to use somebody in this network. And you're going to be directly or indirectly involved in the unprecedented. My question is, could that somebody be you? You know what it's dependent upon? It's it's dependent upon your willingness to prepare yourself. Hear the word of the Lord. Regardless of how inadequate you feel you are or how limited you feel your abilities might be, there is a mission that God is calling for you to fulfill. It's got your name on it. Don't minimize God. Don't minimize yourself. God You, us, earth partners, intentionally, on purpose. If I have to beg you to come to an altar, you've missed the message. This altar call tonight is about calling. It's about positioning yourself. Well, I'm too old, I'm too young. Why don't you let God decide that? Why don't you let God decide? But I'm a woman. Why don't you let God decide that? And this is not about coming and just burying your head and then getting up and nothing has changed. 
But this is about a genuine answering the call, making yourself available to whatever God would ask of you. In Jesus' name. You see, no one can pray these prayers for you. You got to pray them for yourself. Come on, Pastor, I want you to be sensitive tonight to those in here that are in your congregation. They've come to you and they've told you the call of God's on their life. See, unfortunately, we're convinced the call means you got to go somewhere else to fulfill it. Could it be you're right where you're supposed to be? You just need to have an irritant to begin to shape a pearl in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, pastors. Come on, ministers. Be sensitive to the Lord right now. Be sensitive to the Lord right now. Come on, you don't have to be afraid of what God's calling you to do. You just need to be willing to do it. He'll fill in those blanks. Jesus.